does have an eight pack. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark four, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to House Party Protocol. Power of Suits, and welcome into another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today from their great white north. And is it still white? I don't know. The one only Leland. What's happening, my man? Not much, not much. Uh, to, to answer your question about the still white, uh, we actually just had a, a wonderful stretch of warm weather uh, that was uh, about the 25 to 28 degrees Celsius, which I think is like 30 plus for you guys. Um, but then uh, today we, we have a chance of snow. So, you know, there we go. What is canada i just i can't you know like i'm excited to hear these things but i just like that just sounds miserable to be cold uh, it, it's it's an experience it is an experience <laughs> and, and this this is from the more normal part like this is southern ontario you go to someplace like like winnipeg and you're lucky to get above 15 degrees on uh you know on any given day or you go out to the maritimes and you know you can experience all four seasons in the span of six hours that sounds wild that just I, I just can't even with that. Like I'm I'm a southern boy, southern United States boy, pretty much all my life. And the farthest north I lived was Michigan and like northern Michigan. Like if you do the mitten hand, like if you do the hand thing, you know, because Michigan looks like a mitten and you like think of where when you're looking at it, your index fingernail, like that's where I was in Michigan. And, and that was far enough north. That's about uh, yeah, that that's about on par with uh with a lot of southern Ontario there. It looks like it, uh, I'm looking at a map right now, it looks like it lines up with around where the GTA area is in Ontario, so. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah there, there you go. And I, I will say this, though. Canada is a place I want to visit one of these days. You know, I'm excited to check out different cultures and travel and stuff like that. It's And Canada and, like, Vancouver, Toronto, uh, those those places specifically have been like on the list of places I want to go check out. Oh, definitely. I, I can't recommend Vancouver enough. Uh, British Columbia is an absolutely gorgeous province. Uh, it is, it's definitely worth taking some time to, to go up there and spend some time on, uh, on the Island and, you know, maybe go up to go up to Whistler or explore the, uh, the Kootenays and Jasper and well, I guess Jasper's more in, in Alberta, but uh, it, it's, it's beautiful. It is a beautiful, beautiful province. Nice. Yeah. Well, one of these days, and when I do, don't worry, I'll make sure to put it out there on the social medias. Be like, hey, I'm coming to Canada, guys. Who wants to play some Crisis Protocol? Because it's what you do. Well, you, you know I'm game if you hit up Southern Ontario. You bet. You bet. You'd be the first person I hit up. Like, I'd be like, hey, Leland, by the way, can I crash <laughs> here and play some Crisis Protocol? No, I wouldn't do that. We don't did, we have a hotel. It's cool. <laughs> that's okay that's okay my store has a murder basement we can we can throw someone down there for a bit perfect is it lined with white tile no but it's got that nice clear plastic surgical uh, material mm. down there nice and a drain in the floor i take it oh possibly i mean there's so much debris <laughs> yeah well speaking of murder basements i think that's a good segue actually into 
our first topic today, and that is the Immortal Hulk. And I know you're probably thinking, Suits, like, wow, Will, can you just come off of Bruce Banner and his Immortal Hulkness right now? Can you just, can we not? Because I've, I've talked about it a lot lately, Leon. I, I've talked about Immortal Hulk and New Doc and all this stuff. I think in three of the last episodes, I've had at least some conversation about him. And I think it's relevant and interesting, good God, there's that word again, to continue to talk about it a little bit now that he's out there in the wild. And I'm seeing a lot of amazing paint jobs. I've seen some Red Hulk. I've seen varying brightnesses of green. You did yours at lightning speed. I, I can't even imagine how fast you were able to paint that dude up. And it's it's incredible to me. And it looked great on the tabletop. And you actually got him on the tabletop in a recent battle report on your YouTube channel. Yes. Yeah, I uh, I had to hustle on that one. He uh, He came in at the 11th hour. I got him painted to what you see on camera in about two hours time or so. So if you actually pick it up and look at him, you'll, you'll definitely see where he doesn't hold up to inspection. This guy is, uh, this guy is not winning any painting competitions uh, for me, but uh, he, he passes what I like to refer to as the two foot rule. You, you look at him from two feet or on a, on a TV screen and you know, he looks fine. Nice. Yeah. The TV screen definitely adds a little bit of weight to him too. I don't know what that's about, you know? <laughs> Yeah, who knows? Who knows? But Leland, now that you've had him on the tabletop, and I don't want to spoil anything from that battle report, I highly encourage everyone to go check it out. It was a very fun one, and one that didn't exactly go the way that I thought it was going to go early. But um, how would you characterize playing with him on the tabletop now? Because this is our first real experience with this character now that he's been out for basically just a weekend but I'm pretty sure a lot of people have had him out there because he hasn't been on any of the online places or so stuff like that. So what do you feel about old Immortal Hulk? So my my quick uh, hot potato take on this one, it's uh, I, I do think he is poised to potentially be problematic, like not to the extent of Malkith when when he first hit sort of problematic, because unlike Malkith, I don't think he's deleting models every turn. That, that he's active. Yeah. Uh, he definitely has that potential to do so, but the lack of, uh, the lack of uh, a charge like ferocity or something like that definitely keeps his, his damage output uh, a little bit more under control. What I think is really interesting about Immortal Hulk, and I don't think we've really seen a character like this since OG Modok uh, of all things, he is very annoying to shift off the table. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, he, he's got a great defensive stat line when his worst defensive stat is a three energy, which is standard across like yeah. for a lot of things, you know, a four physical and a five mystic. Uh, he's rolling lots of dice to defend himself uh, with that. And if you have any sort of dice fixing, any sort of cover, you're just going to compound that. And then you, you look at the fact that he's got, you know, that 15 stamina pool uh, just to begin with that you've got to chew through before he even becomes vulnerable. It's yeah. he is a he is a very very tanky boy on the table. Yeah, and I think that that fifteen stamina is deceiving in that at minimum, at minimum, it's really twenty five because like I would say you can potentially have no power on him when he 
is flipped like or or one or two or three power like that's certainly within the realm of possibilities but after he's taken a certain amount of damage and when you look at his kit especially he shouldn't be pushing through all of his power so let's say he's on three health he's gonna gain three power if you are to daze him and then come back with another 10 power because of the way the immortality mechanic works or another and i say power i meant health 10 health or another seven health something like that so it really is a more than 20 so more than original hulk level and then a little bit of uh i am going to spoil just one little part how you played it is exactly how i would play it if i have a mortal hulk on the tabletop and that's taking a patch up and activating him early and saying okay cool I'm going to patch up four out of five health on him, and then after Immortal Hulk's turn, he heals that one last health. Or you don't even necessarily have to activate him early, but saying, okay, cool, I'm going to patch him up enough to where after I activate, then I'm going to now be able to have a fully healthy and can then get another immortality token and can then do the dance all over again, Immortal Hulk. And... I think it's interesting when you talk about Malekith as an example there, and I'm kind of running on a bunch of different topics here, I guess. But when you talk about having a Malekith versus an Immortal Hulk, both being seven threat characters, Malekith's damage output being absurd, and Immortal Hulk's being more in line, and you know the dice didn't do you any favors, but like you said, dice fixing <laughs> stuff, stuff like that. Uh, you know, I think that that's kind of the interesting line between those two characters is one is murder bot and the other one is survivable bot yeah and i and i think that's going to be the biggest puzzle that we have to kind of work around with immortal hulk he doesn't fit into a traditional attrition squad or roster in the sense of that you know he's he's the one who's dealing big damage he, he absolutely can i mean with three throws and throwing you know a minimum of seven dice he he's throwing a lot of dice and a lot of damage out there but the big thing is, is that he is, he's what I like to refer to as an anchor piece. Yeah. You're, you're going to put him in the list. He's, or well, I guess if you want to use 40 K parlance, a distraction card effects, he, he yeah. is a big, scary piece that a lot of people are going to end up focusing on, uh, to their detriment, I think, um, because they're, they're going to see him and they might, they might have a plan, but I'm willing to bet a lot of the time they might not exactly have a plan. Uh, on how to do it because like a lot of teams really don't play heavy into the attrition side of things and when you when you're looking at an immortal hulk or even like a regular hulk or any of the other big uh, big guys you don't always have the tools to just completely whittle them down as fast as you need to uh, and now you add in the immortality token and is is just incredibly rapid ability to regain health yeah, uh, and you know he he becomes a very a very challenging piece uh, to deal with in that regard. Yeah, when you talk about dealing with him and how to put him down, how to get him off the tabletop, and all of that stuff, you know the immortality token, like, and teams not having enough output per se, right? I think that's an interesting topic because when you played him in your matchup with Troop. It was big boy versus big boy. And there's not always going to be an opportunity to have Unmalekith going up against an Immortal Hulk or even another Hulk going up against Immortal Hulk. 
or a Thanos giving Corvus extra dice or whomever extra dice to be able to chew through all of this health value. And I think that that is the question that has yet to be answered with Immortal Hulk is if you're not playing the big boy meta, if you will, how do you stop him? I don't necessarily think you need to be playing the big boy meta uh, because I, I'm looking at Immortal Hulk and, you know, I, I like my, my preferred faction right now is shield and I can, I can reliably whittle down a Hulk from, from zero to 20 uh, in one round if, if given the opportunity to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I could, so, I mean, you could do it with Immortal Hulk using a little bit less resources. So it's it's not that you can't do it, but I think there's going to be some teams that definitely struggle with it. Yeah. Is is what's going to end up happening, right? <clears throat> and, like, I think I think teams like Black Order or Asgard or S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, I think they have the possibility of getting there and doing it because they, the way a lot of the time their, their lists are built, uh, they have that as, as a viable option to go in there and, and eat their witties and chew some violence and, and just go to town. Yeah. Uh, but then you look at other teams like, you know, web warriors who might not necessarily want to be in the fight or, you know, they're throwing out a lot of like four or five dice attacks, maybe uh, they're wet, like all webbed up turn. They can put in some more damage uh, or, or even like some more tech pieces on uh, like some tech Avengers or something like that. They might not necessarily have those bigger pieces. So it's really going to come down to, what you're playing and whether or not you have that plan. And I think a lot of plans for dealing with Hulk with Malkith will transfer over to Immortal Hulk, but you're going to have to factor in that that health regen. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And um, did you find any kind of interesting synergy with him while you were playing? I noticed one of the things that you didn't do with him super often was use the bump. And was that just because you forgot about it with Midnight Suns or... Uh, so in this particular game, and I, I have no problem talking spoilers on this one. I mean, by the time this this goes up, uh, you know, the, the video will have been out for close to a week. Uh, he was always kind of in the position he needed to be yeah. in, in this particular matchup. Because, I mean, we were doing, uh, what, what was it, the... Uh, Intrusions and Hammers? Uh, was it? No, it was uh, Scrolls. Scrolls, that's right. Scrolls and Incursions, yeah. So he was always kind of in the place that that he wanted to be. Like, there was a bit of a monster mash going on. There, So Bump wasn't necessarily something he needed to do a lot. What I actually really liked about uh, about Immortal Hulk, especially in Midnight Suns, is he gave uh, both Blade and Iron Fist a lot of breathing room. That's something I think that I've always struggled with when it comes to playing Midnight Suns. Blade is such a key piece that he just gets zerged right down mm-hmm. uh, when people get the chance. And Iron Fist is very much the same way. You know, people people see that immortal Iron Fist attack and like not not don't want to deal with that. Uh, yeah. But all of a sudden, we've put something on the table that is just, you know, if if you just let it go, yeah, you're you're gonna have a rough time. So all of a sudden, these these little other pieces for Midnight Suns were able to go around and do some things, and you know, they they had some absolute moments to shine in in that game that we uh, that Troop and I played. Yeah. <clears throat> I was, that's what I was going to ask next is, do you feel like that the Immortal Hulk is, you know, one game in the secret sauce, the eight pack that the Midnight Suns needed? Oh my goodness. He does have an eight pack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's going to help them. 
he's going to help them for sure. I I still think that they need some more native dice fixing uh, for Midnight Suns, but uh, he he is a nice big stamina pool. He he's a meat shield that the other team has to work through because you can't ignore him, even if he's not necessarily removing a model every every round. He is still big he's in charge he can displace your team quite effectively like even yeah. if he's not getting the damage in if he's getting that wild off on the throw or if he's getting that gamma, bur- gamma burst in and he's just even displacing your team that's still a big deal oh absolutely and every one of his throws is omnidirectional so it's uh yeah no it's uh it's it's tough and i'm excited to get more time with him on the tabletop i'm and i'm also excited to paint him interestingly enough i'm really wanting to paint this model because I think it just looks so amazing and everything. So he's, he's definitely, he's, a fun one. he's right at the top of the list now and I'm going to bust out the airbrush and all that fun stuff. So it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be te- trying, but I'm excited for the test. Now, one thing I, I want to add one of immortal Hulk is I think gamma drain is, is almost a must take for him. Oh, I absolutely um, agree. I I early on in in this game that Troop and I filmed, I threw Gamma Drain onto was it Cloak of Cloak of Shadows? The, the that Cloak his, of uh, Shadows thing where he can yeah. uh, pay to count the skulls as crits. <clears throat> yeah, and as a result, like there was there was very few instances where Hulk was not running around with ten power. Yeah. A, as a result of it, and it just it kept him powered up. It meant he was always doing what he wanted to do. Uh. Uh, frankly, I think he's going to be a little frightening in an Avengers list as well because you can use it to power up like a like a Helios laser or something like that. Yeah, yeah, um, I think. Oof. But it is, I I think a lot of my concerns actually uh, are pairing between that card and how the green door functions. Yeah, and uh, because that card means that he's going to be very powered up by the time he goes, he gets his days token. Yeah, which means he's regaining a lot of life, and then the green door just means that he's just going to be obnoxiously regaining health. Um, so that that's really I, that's where a lot of my concerns come from on yeah. that one. So we're going to have to see how that kind of shakes out. Yeah, I think Gamma Drain is a very interesting tactics card, and uh, to your point, I think it's a must take when you're playing Immortal Hulk because of the way it just fuels his power gain. And I do think that you could argue that it might be a little bit matchup dependent, right? Like if you're playing into a team that doesn't use a ton of active superpowers or doesn't have a ton of reactive superpowers that they like to use a lot, I think it could be less valuable. But I think that we live in a time of Marvel Crisis Protocol where there's always at least one character that it's worth putting in on. And I think of something like if I'm playing into Avengers, right, and they've got Captain Steve over there, well, throw it on Bodyguard throw it on vibranium yep. shield and just say, okay, cool. All right. You, you want to use this? Well now it, for the rest of the game, every time you throw the shield up, I'm going to now get this benefit or throwing it. Like if you're playing into convocation, throwing it on Dr. Strange Supreme, every time he uses the scalpel, because one, it's the only superpower he has Two, he's going to be using it a lot. So yeah, I, uh, I, I have these, I have these fever dreams of using it on Magneto on his throw. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So like, that's another one where, I mean, I think there's always an opportunity to apply this in game and trying to 
pick your target on it is going to be important. And another interesting thing about that is picking a target that you're not necessarily going to want to go after and that you can let just feed the Hulk power. Now, I think that that's one of those, like, you kind of have to choose the game state right and all that stuff. Look, look at the, look at the game state, see what's going on in the game and stuff like that. Like, but characters like Juggernaut, you mentioned Magneto, Iron Man with Friday AI, like, I would love to throw it on any number of these characters. Oh yeah, no, for sure. You, you find the right support character or the right support ability and toss that thing on and you know, it's going to be powering Hulk up all game. Absolutely. It's and or like, man, Red Skull, master of Hydra with his empowered gauntlets. Come at me, bro. I just, for sure. Yeah, no, I like all in all, I, I like the piece. I don't have that same sense of dread that I had with with uh, Malkith when he first came out, which is good. I think uh, I think Immortal Hulk is definitely going to be an interesting presence once people kind of unlock him. I don't think I necessarily agree with the arguments that OG Hulk is just always better than Immortal Hulk. Yeah, I I think I think with the current state of the game with how people are playing that's where that argument is coming from. But I think there is definitely going to be a, a place where Immortal Hulk will become preferred over OG Hulk, depending on what sort of game state you want to play and uh, yeah. who, who or what is uh, being played in your, in your local area and meta. Um, but yeah, I think he's, I think he's interesting. I don't think he's meta defining or meta shifting, but I think he's really, really interesting and he can, potentially have some negative play experiences uh if you happen to go into people who are not as well versed with the game or not as well prepared for them yeah i could see that and and in the discussion about hulk versus immortal hulk i think that it's just kind of two sides of a similar coin and immortal hulk is less about the extreme levels of control i think like he which is weird because he does have access to three throws in a turn potentially but i think regular hulk if you will if you want to call him that og hulk with his two power throw with the hulk smash being one cost less yes it's two less dice but the potential for a stagger and a throw on top of that all these things kind of combining to where i get why people well, and and the dice ramp that OG Hulk can do, I get why people might think that he's one for one better, and I don't necessarily feel that way either. I think that they're just they're two different characters that you're going to want to deploy at different times. And I think it's if you look at the situation that you're going up against, and you say, if I want a character that I can reliably put on the table that might never die, whereas OG Hulk, like you talked about earlier, it's pretty okay to get through his health pool even with his hulk not puny banner like it's it, you're able to do it and i don't think that there's really any team composition other than maybe web warriors and even then i think they have the tools in the right setup to chew through a og hulk whereas immortal hulk because he does interact with the dazed mechanic it kind of changes that narrative a little bit. Well, I think just just to comment on that particular point in in this game that Troop and I played, we we fact we figured that uh, Troop had to chew through forty five stamina on Immortal Hulk, Ooh. not including anything he regained uh, via the green door. 
Wow. So that that total was probably closer to like 53 to 55 stamina that yeah. had to be chewed through, uh, which is just insane. That is a huge amount of stamina to to have to chew through. Well, let's put that in perspective. That is typically the entire amount of stamina that a crisis squad's going to have. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a in a general match, not having an immortal Hulk with your normal twos and threes and fours and maybe even a five, fifty three stamina is that's that's a very typical health pool for almost an entirety of a squad. Yeah. And so. it's it's difficult to chew through. Like if you don't if you don't have that plan to take him out when he's when he's uh got his immortality token, then you're you're gonna have that bad day. So I mean we we might start seeing things like uh, grievous wounds splashed into into some rosters just as a potential um uh, option to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, but even then that's not a it's it's not the silver bullet either, right? Because there that. is still that caveat. You gotta get that damage through still. Yeah. Uh, in order to to apply it. So so that's what I was gonna ask is are, what are the tools to deal with him? And if like if you're if you're trying to say get rid of Immortal Hulk. Like, let's say let's say that you go to an event and you expect to see Immortal Hulks in places and you want to tech for him, do you think Gravis Wounds is worth that 10th tactics card slot over something like a fallback, maybe like a warpath, maybe even like a recalibration matrix? Do you think that Grievous Wounds is worth that? And let me read what Grievous Wounds is uh, for the people that might not know. Grievous Wounds is an unaffiliated reactive tactics card. During a character's activation, when it targets an enemy character with an attack, it may spend one power to play this card. If the target character is dealt damage by this attack, so you have to spend before you roll, the target character cannot have damage removed from it this activation phase. And it is only during the activation phase. Now, I want to come back to my question in a second, but I I think it's important to note how this interacts with Immortal Hulk's immortality. So if you were to do the 15 damage while he had the Grievous Wounds, it doesn't matter because he still gets dazed as normal. And then when he's dazed, he removes the power and heals himself up. Whereas if you were to do a Grievous Wounds after he's already got his immortality token, then the green door, which is his at the end of every turn heal, does not trigger. And they'll also shut down things like patch up for that particular phase. Correct. Now, with that in mind, how do you feel about Grievous Wounds as that 10th tactics card? I think it's still kind of a hard sell at times because I think more often than not, it's it's just going to be a card sitting in your roster. And I don't think anyone really wants to include cards that you only bring out, you know, one in every you know, 10 games, eight games, whatever. Uh, Cause it doesn't, I don't feel like it has really a lot of utility outside of, outside of a mortal Hulk or maybe, you know, going into a healing factor, heavy uh, squad, like weapon X or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's other, there's still other stronger cards out there to use, but at least this card provides uh, an avenue to approaching how to deal with the uh, immortal Hulk. So it's yeah. not awful, but I, I think it, you still have to make a strong argument for it to be in your 10th. 
Yeah, I I read this card and I look at Immortal Hulk as a character and everything, and I think to myself that I don't think Grievous Wounds is the answer, if I'm being honest. You're going to be shutting down a patch up. You're going to be shutting down his green door ability, so his healing at the end of each turn ability. But what you're not going to be shutting down is the fact that if you end up dazing a Hulk, and let's assume that you dazed him before he activated, or someone that's playing this Immortal Hulk character is possibly taller than you, meaning they have less models in their squad than you. So potentially they have priority. So it's kind of irrelevant, I think, because I think that Grievous Wounds pays more for itself if the player has priority. I agree with you 100%. And that's the big problem with Grievous Wounds as uh, as being like the answer to him that you're you're absolutely right. A lot of the time, Immortal Hulk's going to be in a taller list, and he's going to be getting priority over you anyway. Yeah, and if you want to talk about, like, secret sauces, if you will, for, for dealing with Immortal Hulk, I don't really think that we have one yet. I think that the most reliable way, and I put reliable in massive air quotes, is something like a Helios laser, because you can just dump power, dump value into that big attack but you gotta hope you got enough juice to do it yeah you know? uh I, th- those big attacks that you can do it uh i think we're gonna see a little bit of stock uh come up with anyone who can sort of mess with his ability to successfully defend uh dice uh, against things as well um so i could see a little bit of work being done with like say a scarlet witch or a domino who's going to be shutting down uh shutting down those crits oh yeah Oh yeah, um, it, which, yeah, which might be a big deal, uh, but uh, yeah, there, there's we're gonna need to see a little bit of play with this guy to to get a full idea on on how to handle him. Uh, although I will say, I think Beta Ray Bill's in a great position. Oh, to yeah, uh, to tackle him. Uh, I mean, he's got that. He's gonna have that great nine dice God Hunter attack into uh, into Immortal Hulk. He's only rolling three dice against that. He's got no dice fixing um, to to defend against it. Uh, so yeah, Beta Ray Bill is probably going to be a nice answer. To yeah, him. you know me, Leland. I am in a love affair with Beta Ray Bill currently, and um, it's going really well. We are very happy. Uh, <laughs> I, I love his character in a lot of ways because I feel like maybe he wasn't purpose-built for kind of the Malekith, Brawly, meta thing that we have kind of come into, but... I feel like that he may, maybe he was. Maybe he's the guy that is here to kind of provide a nice soothing balm to our wounds of big boy metas. I don't know. Well, I mean, let's let's look at the past couple of characters that have come out over the the past. What, what is this? this? Is the fourth month of the year? Yeah, you mean all uh, the four threats? Seen, you you mean some... all the four threats? It's it's the Fantastic Four year. <laughs> <laughs> and reset the clock. Reset the clock. <laughs> there we go. Uh, but I mean, you know, back in December, we got Blob, who's great at displacing. Mm-hmm. Like his 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 thunderous splash will uh, can displace a mortal Hulk nice and easily. We got Pyro, who's just going to toss on oh. uh, root and uh, incinerates onto a mortal Hulk, which will definitely help you take him down. In fact, a mortal Hulk's going to hate root. Root's going to just anger him. Uh, yes. We have Beta Ray Bill, who, you know, seems purpose-built to go up against these size four type characters between his damage reduction and his God Hunter. 
Uh, even to an extent, I, I think there's an argument to be made for Spider-Woman having some interesting tech against him. Not as much uh, uh, against Immortal Hulk because he gets to ignore that stun, if I'm if I'm remembering things correctly. Yeah. Um, but, uh, like she can, she can kind of get in, she can punch him around a little bit and maybe, maybe display. Oh, well, no, he's immune to poison. Well, okay. Ignore that one. Yeah. Totally off the rails with that one. Yeah. That's what happens when the, when the train leaves the station. Uh, but then we also have, uh, we also have Ulick, who's a big beefy yep. pounder who can, uh, he might not win the fight in the long run. But he's gonna do some good attrition into uh, into a mortal Hulk, right? Like he's gonna be able to punch a little bit above his weight uh, yeah. to kind of deal with him a bit. So we're seeing a bunch of pieces that feel not so much purpose built, but sort of like designed to ease us in to this uh, to this chunkier meta. Yeah, yeah, and and I think you're right about that. And Ulik is one of those that I think is a really interesting option especially because when the conversation around the character of Ulik has been oh my goodness how mobile you know he's he's gonna crushing leap and then he's gonna pounders you and then he's gonna crushing leap and then he's gonna pounders you six dice physical with the wild push you know it's it's pretty pretty bonkers but one of the things that I think is interesting about Ulik is it's something that troop used I think twice was his shatter mountains shatter bones attack Nine yes. dice for five power, and it auto-staggers, which you love to see the auto-stagger, but it also activates. It is basically an iron fist if you hit those triggers, and granted, it's not an easy set of triggers to hit. Crit, wild, hit, skull. So definitely not easy, but on nine dice, so you're saying there's a chance, I kind of don't hate it. No, and and when Troop was throwing that against Immortal Hulk, he wasn't even fishing for damage on those particular attacks. He just wanted to activate him. Yeah, or and, the worst case, stagger him. Right, like exactly. And that that that's painful. So I guess that that's the other part of the discussion you can look at. You can look at characters like um, uh, like Ulic or uh, Iron Fist uh, with it with yeah. the Immortal Iron Fist getting in that stagger that activation, or even Black Cat to just run up and get a cheeky little um uh, stagger in on him as well for three power right yeah exactly exactly that's that's very interesting and it's only two power from black cat oh sorry that's right two power yeah i was thinking of something else it's it's i think that's where black cat's value is probably about to be within the context of the game as a whole is like you know she's just a stagger missile you just run her in there stagger someone and you're and then just like okay cool eat me after this but at least you're staggered Yep, and she's she's fast enough to kind of hang back until it matters. Exactly, so, exactly. So, yeah. I I like I like Black Cat's current positioning within in the game right now. In that she's not so much doing the grab and go situation like she was for a while there, and now I think that it's more of like Staggerbot, and it's one of those things where I think she's splashable in that capacity right now. Oh yeah, for a three threat character, she is she is absolutely splashable into it, um, and yeah, I I think that'll be a nice one. And if she happens to get the elusive trigger on top of that, she oh, just yeah. walks away from any reprisal. Yes, and that is definitely what you want to try to do because that it's just that's another thing is with her troublemaker attack, it's range three, so she's able to elusive out of there. She could end up being range four ish away. So yeah, reprisal, no thanks. <laughs> 
Yeah. Just yeah. No, so yeah, so there's definitely answers to deal with him, but I think it's going to require us to kind of shift the way we we approach a big chunky character because we're used to dealing with the the big boys and how they deal damage to us. We're not used to uh, like trying to figure out well how do we deal more damage to them. Yes, exactly. Right? I think that's it's a really good point there, uh, Leland. And with that, when we when we're talking about damage and how we deal and absorb damage in this game. I think that that brings up an interesting conversation for our next topic of damage types and defense types and whether or not when you're doing your squad building slash roster building, list building, whatever you want to call it, do you feel like having access to the various types of attack, damage, versions, types, I didn't want to say types again, but I'm going <laughs> to, having access to the different attack types physical energy mystic is something that you want to do or do you feel like that's a bit of a trap i think it's definitely something you should be keeping in mind that if you can get access to as many different types as possible uh do so but don't do so at the expense of the rest of your squad cohesion okay so how do you mean by that like don't don't Okay, so don't fall into a trap that you're putting a character into your roster just because they provide that attack type, but maybe they remove an aspect of control, or maybe they move an aspect of dice fixing that you that you need in your list otherwise. Um, so I, I would say just be very discriminating about who you're bringing in as far as the attack types, and if you can make it work with your roster and your squad, absolutely do it. Uh, but if you're bringing in somebody that who is just so at odds with the rest of your squad that it doesn't work um like maybe maybe think twice about it and i guess to give an example of this uh like as i mentioned earlier i've been playing a, a lot of shield i uh, have been since uh, nick fury came out mm-hmm. uh, and one of the things they're really lacking is mystic right yeah we we've picked up we've picked up some energy uh over over the months since they've been released but as at least in my head i can't think of anyone who natively does does mystic uh, attacks for shield yeah i don't think they so have one. so obviously that is that that's an aspect that uh the the roster is is lacking but i can't just go and splash somebody in who does mystic because shield right now has a very specific way that they're that they're looking to play and a lot of those mystic characters don't often fit that same that same wavelength okay um if that makes any sense like I'm, I'm playing around with a couple different characters like who who might fit in with the gun line uh idea of it all and i'm i'm kind of looking at psylocke but that's because i'm just really high on psylocke right now i think she's an awesome character i think she's super uh, good but uh it's it's one of those things i'm trying not to compromise my overall roster and squad building just for the sake of a damage type yeah i mean you don't want clea i mean come on oh with the way i roll skulls man <laughs> she'd be she'd be dead faster than when you play her. I doubt that. I doubt that. <laughs> well, yeah, no. So I think that that's an interesting way to look at it because I kind of agree with you is especially when you think about squad cohesion and what your goal is on the tabletop, especially so for people like us who play this game all the time, we have a lot more experience with the varying characters and the varying attacks and defense types and how they mesh together or or don't. But for someone that plays it more casually, you know, every couple of weeks at their local gaming night, you can see 
someone like like me. I bring a convocation team, and the person playing against me has people that are weak to Mystic. So Weapon X is an example, or even characters like Daredevil, OG Daredevil, is weak to Mystic. Captain America, weak to Mystic. These characters that have defensive abilities, but they don't count for Mystic things, that can kind of throw people off a little bit. Whereas like physical and energy, you've got multiple ways to deal with that throughout the pantheon of characters. And I find that kind of stuff to be where this conversation is relevant, more so in the in the casual sense than in the more competitive side of things. Because competitively, I'm bringing the stuff to do what I want to do, more so than worrying about whether or not I've got someone with a four physical defense. Again, as someone who's played a ridiculous amount of convocation, saying, well, do I need that person with a four physical defense just because they have that physical defense? Or do I need someone with a strong physical or energy attack just because they have it? Now, I've kind of actually changed up my stance a little bit on this Leland (laughs) in that a character like Beta Ray Bill covers those bases without being anti-synergistic. I hope that's a word. Did I just make up a word? I'd have to look at a dictionary for that one and I'm too lazy. I'm too lazy too, but anti-synergistic. I just want someone out there to know that if I did create a word, feel free to submit that to Webster's because yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) Uh, But I, I feel like that he actually does synergize while also providing a bit of that kind of gap filling nature for okay cool now I have someone that I can be comfortable with into these physical heavy teams or even energy heavy teams with his defense values and also his attack types having that storm breaker and summoning the storm all of those things and I mean do you ever find that where you've like you've hit that nail for that one character that's like, man, this guy just works, even though he doesn't actually have the stuff that goes along with my other characters. Well, it feels kind of like what you're getting at is the the law law of large numbers in this particular case. Uh, if, you, if you throw enough dice at a problem, eventually the, the results are going to come up in your favor, right? Yeah. Uh, especially when you look at how the facings of the dice uh, of, the, of these D8s work, where, you know, there's... When you're when you're attacking, fifty percent of the results on the on the dice facing are in your favor. They're they're successes. Whereas when you're defending, you know, only three of the eight are are successes because mm-hmm. there's only what the the one shield, the crit, and the wild. Yeah. Uh, right. So the the math will eventually work out in favor of the attacker, especially if you're throwing more and more dice at them. Uh, and that's I I think that's why I'm I'm of the mindset that I don't necessarily want to compromise my team just for an attack type because i think you're absolutely right if you if you get a bigger hitter that can throw more consistent dice or even if you have some more consistent dice fixing you can mitigate uh the weakness of of attack types yeah yeah and that's exactly it is i just i thought this was an interesting discussion in that it's one i've seen out there on the interwebs from time to time and i know that anytime i've not been playing convocation and just running whatever i definitely have had those moments where it's like man i really wish i had a mystic attack right now 
you know, for for example, playing into a Weapon X squad with Guardians of the Galaxy. I've done that before, and I'm just like, please, my kingdom for a mystic attack. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. I, I totally get that. I've had those moments, too. Uh, and again, going into Weapon X, I mean, if you can make Logan's head explode off a mystic attack, ooh, everything just feels so good. Oh, it really does. <laughs> Yeah. It really does. Um, but I, I think what you're bringing up is actually, it, it actually also showcases an interesting evolution of the game as well. Because uh, re- remember going back to the earlier uh, year of uh, of Crisis Protocol, very early on, when someone like MODOK was your only source of Mystic mm-hmm. for a long time, right? And he was an absolute terror on the table. And there there's these actual discussions of like, well, you know, do we bring Modok because he's going to be able to avoid any of the defense against physical and energy and everything like that? Um, or even once uh, Venom hit. And yeah. do, do you remember how down everyone was on Venom when I he was, first came out because he had that two energy defense? Look, I was one of those people. I There are podcasts that exist out there where me, me saying the Venom problem. And to be fair, to be fair, early on, there was so much energy out there early on again. And I just felt like Venom was just never going to be in range to get off of so many snacks. We are Venom thing because of things like like Hawkeye was just eating my lunch. You know, Vision. Yeah. Eating my lunch every time I played Venom. And it's it's just it's a fantastic example of how the game has actually changed and evolved over the what is this? We're in year four now. Yeah, we're in year four. Yeah, we've had three anniversaries of it. Uh, so it's changed that much that the discussion is no longer around, you know, making sure you're we're getting those right attack types in. It's it's part of the discussion, but it's not dominating the discussion. Yeah, and I think where you look at characters that have those built-in weaknesses, so a Venom is a great example of a character or a beast, uh, another one with that two energy defense, is you have to look at those characters and you have to look at your opponent's squad and decide is this character right for what I'm trying to accomplish while also providing my opponent with an easy target potentially you know and right. trying to say oh well I'm going up against a guardian squad I'm leaving beast at home no for sure absolutely like it's like we we now have we have the character flexibility that we can make those decisions and not compromise our list in doing so. Exactly. Exactly. And which I think is really good, yeah. Yeah, I think that is really good and I think that it you know, I've done plenty of list building podcasts and I will continue to do those. There there will be more. Don't don't worry suits. I will have more list building podcasts out here. And it's one of those things where, like, saying I need a mystic attack here or I need an energy attack there or I need a physical attack for this instance here, those aren't things that I say very often whenever we're discussing our our lists and discussing somebody else's list or something like that. You know, if, if you were to go and, and listen back to all those and, you know, check me when I make more of them, but those are things that I don't typically say. The things that I tend to gravitate towards are more control elements and you know can i control via killing or can i control you via displacement and conditions and that kind of stuff and those i think are the more relevant discussions when you're doing your list building for saying like okay do i have any characters that can displace people for either free or cheap and by free i mean as part of an attack or cheaply via a very inexpensive superpower 
So or you I mean, just bring Rhino in a robbery. Look, yeah, just start robbing people and you're good to go. Just just rob them. You know, what could go wrong? <laughs> look, what could go wrong is you have an immortal Hulk on the other side of the table and he puts his little token on Stampede and then you're never wanting to do Stampede to get those extra dice and you're a super sad Rhino. Yeah, no, very true. Yep, yep, Rhino is a sad boy. <laughs> but no, he's still robbing Hulk and still throwing Hulk away, which is just terrible. Yeah, p- picking that uh, picking that wallet out of uh, his back pocket. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised it didn't rip when he transformed, but you never, you know, it is what it is. He's got the stretchy pants. Exactly. So they stretch everywhere they need to stretch. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but Leland, I mean, do you have anything else to add to this conversation before we get to some show questions? Uh, I I think uh, just circling back on on the evolution and change of the game, I I think we as a community we've kind of come to the idea that uh control plays a much bigger role in the game than attrition a lot of the time so the ability to push displace or move uh your pieces or the other guy's pieces will quite often net you more value than just punching them a whole lot and uh something that uh my my locals can attest to uh if you ever end up chatting with any of them one of the most common refrains i tell people is you got to leave conan at home sometimes Uh, and that just and that just sometimes means the the best move isn't necessarily always getting that extra attack in sometimes it means pushing the other person moving yourself making a throw just anything to like be in a better board state than the other guy yeah and that doesn't always necessarily mean having more models or healthier models sometimes it just means you know you're sitting on the points or maybe you're forcing them to take some extra actions um to to move back onto a point or something like that or even burn tactics cards i would gladly do an action just to make them burn a tactics card oh it's it's mm -hmm. doing yeah because it's doing it on on my on on my clock at that point and i'd rather they they burn it when i want them to burn it than to have it come back and bite me in the behind when when i really need a certain action to go through yeah absolutely i mean any chance that i can to get someone to burn a tactics card that i know is detrimental to me the longer the game goes on, the happier I am. Yep. Definitely. Yep. So next up, we have some show questions that were submitted to our Discord channel. We have quite a few of these. We have some old ones that I'm going to try to get to, but we got some others that were were asked within uh, the context here. I just put the question out yesterday and whatnot. And uh, if you want to get access to the Discord channel, you can check out House Party Protocol on patreon so that's patreon.com slash house party protocol and for as little as a dollar a month or 12 bucks a year you can come and hang out on the really sweet chill discord you know we don't blow up with uh at everyone's all the time we've had a little more ats lately just because we had the league popping off but uh yeah we, it's pretty chill pretty good time and you know we have a lot of nice conversations today we were talking about who has the best french fries and you know, Leland, do you uh, have an opinion? Uh, I I not a really a big French fry guy, so mm. not really. But if I if I were to choose, I mean, I kind of enjoy the fries from Wendy's. Uh, yeah, so. Wendy's is solid. I remember I yeah. used to, I haven't really had a lot of variety of different places French fries lately. However, Chick Fil A always a a top notch French fry organization. However, I really did like the Burger King fries back in the day because they were like more crispy than the mcdonald's ones and i really liked that little crispy element I, I, yeah love a good crispy fry yeah exactly 
Yep. Exactly. So yep. here we go with our question. And first up from our favorite Schultzy is, does anyone remember when AMG put out the rules for a draft style format and a band slash pick style competitive format with 16 character rosters? And did anybody ever play that? And why has it faded into obscurity pretty much immediately? And then he adds on here, what kind of rules do you think would make for at least a semi-popular alternative formula uh, format? And I think that basically the, the boiling down here is draft-style formats and Marvel Crisis Protocol. And Leland, I don't specifically remember the AMG draft-style format specifically because I never played it. But uh, do you remember that? I, I have some vague recollections of the format. I'm, I'm actually looking through the AMG website right now, seeing if there's any uh, remnants of it. But uh, yeah, I, I can't see it at the moment. Um, so I, I, yeah, I, I don't think Chelsea's having any sort of weird fever dream here. I, I do believe, I do believe that these were definitely things. Oh, oh, I think I found them. I think I found them under the rules tab on the AMG website. Uh, There's this, uh, yeah. arena and party format. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Well, so uh, I, do, I don't know if these are necessarily the ones he's talking about, but yeah, yeah. well, we can uh, dive into those formats on another episode. But how do you feel about a draft style format in Marvel Crisis Protocol? Because I know for me, coming from Guild Ball into Crisis Protocol when that was kind of dying and this is kind of beginning, it, drafting and counterpicking and all of that stuff was an integral part of that competitive element to that game. So I, I kind of liked it, but how do you feel like that would work with MCP? I, I love the concept of it. I, I think we've hit uh, enough characters in the game that I don't think there's any sort of like feel bads. If you can't get one character, there's probably another character who can fit a similar role uh, at this point. Um, yeah, no, I, I kind of dig it. I, it creates a new dynamic way of, of looking at building your, your roster and your squad. It uh, gets you out of your out of your sort of like nice, safe comfort zone. Uh, so, yeah, I, I fully support it. In fact, one of the things I really want to do when I hit up Adepticon, I want to hit up their, because uh, they have sort of like their what-if drafts, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to hit up that. That event just looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, so. it's pretty wild, too, because you get the affiliation bonus for unaffiliated characters basically you know it's basically everybody's affiliated and it's it's bonkers wakanda is awesome just just pencil that in if you ever do a what if draft wakanda because you know why you do you know why leland because wakanda forever because wakanda forever exists exactly it's a it's, so you could make a similar argument from uh siege of darkness yes siege of Dar also midnight sun's great but Siege of Darkness costs two power. Wakanda Forever costs one. And, that is true. And the re-roll situation that Wakanda gives, just, yeah, super good. I'm telling you, Wakanda's excellent in that format. But either way, I personally think a draft-style format could work with Crisis Protocol. I think that the way that it's just, you know, all hidden information until you're just like, okay, I'm ready, okay, I'm ready, and now reveal your rosters is a fun and interesting part of the game. I I do really like that. But I do think that there's some space for saying, okay, cool. 
my leader is this guy, and now I'm going to start. All right, I'm, I have priorities, so I have to make a pick first. Cool. Now you can counterpick my pick, and then I can counterpick your pick, and then counterpick, 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 and all that stuff. I think that there's a, a way to make that fun and engaging, especially in a competitive format that could really shake the game up quite a bit that would be very fun. But also could, uh, you know, I mean, like anything, could end up being negative in some way. That somebody out there could figure out a negative a way to make a negative. I don't know. I, I think with a format like this, you kind of have to go into it with the right mindset. Like this is this is not going to be a balanced format. This is going to be a, you know, we're we're going in, we're doing our our fun. What can we break? What can we not break? Type thing. Yeah. Um, and just kind of go from there. So I, it's very much a it's a it's a mental state of play as well. If you're going in with just the sole reason of I want to build the biggest meanest team I can and win, you might not be in the right event. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So. Next question here, we have um, the half-assed ninja. He says, if you are building a quote-unquote Swiss army knife type of list, how many of a certain threat level, three, four, etc., is too much? And if you're heavy on a certain threat level, but each model of that threat level has a certain purpose, dependent on the matchup, is that a problem? So I'm going to tackle this one first, Leland, and... Swiss Army Knife lists are very cool and interesting, and we just had someone recently pop into the Discord. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. And they were talking about a list where they have access to three affiliations in Cabal, Hydra, and Criminal Syndicate, and how when you talk about a Swiss Army Knife-style list, a list like that is one where okay, I'm going to have an answer for whatever question my opponent tries to put on the tabletop for me. Okay, cool, you brought Web Warriors. Well, I'm going to pop some energy and mystic down that you might not be able to deal with, or I'm going to load you up conditions that you might not be able to deal with, or okay, cool, you have good control. I'm going to counter with also having some good control or or you know whatever kind of thing like that. And being able to have those types of lists is really interesting. Now, in terms of threat values and what's too much, what's not enough, I think that that just depends on what you're trying to do. So, like, the Flex 3 is probably one of the best models in the game, and I don't mean any specific character. I just mean that 3-threat character that you can flex in that has a really important role used to be, like, a Valkyrie, right? And I think Valkyrie's still underrated for what she does but i think a character like that is what you would call like a flex three that can come in and be very capable like a baron zemo is another one that's like okay well i don't feel like i'm gonna have any detriment if i bring this character and i use them to the best of their abilities right so too much i mean like you got to look at it from what threat values you're trying to make so like if you can't make a value well then you need to reevaluate right like or if you if you have to be locked in to one exact particular squad at say 18 threat then you have too much or not enough of one or another threat value right so like saying if i want to build a swiss army knife and i want to be able to answer whatever kind of question my opponent's going to bring but my 18 is this one squad only well, then you're automatically not fitting within that Swiss Army knife 
list type. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think you have a lot of merit to that discussion there. Uh, I I like to build my lists where I at least have you know three three threats, if not four three threats. Uh, although I I like to do a lot of my flexibility around the two and the five spot, mm-hmm. uh, which is I mean. You know, I'm I I know how to play this game. I'm kind of good at it, but other people will probably disagree with me on this one. Uh, but like I I build a lot around my three threats, maybe one or two fours, uh, and then to kind of get those weird numbers, I like looking at the twos or the fives uh, at that point. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I I think the way he's approaching this one is is a little bit too too binary. I mm. think as long as you're as long as you have a plan and you can sort of create the combinations of characters that you need that function together, um, then you always have the right amount of th- certain threat values. Yeah, is what it comes down to. And I I think the only threat value that I would say never load up too much on is the four threats. Yeah, I I can agree with that. Having done that recently, uh, at Adepticon actually, I was like, okay, cool. Well, I've got uh, I think four or five four threats in there and i only actually had four affiliated convocation characters and not having an ancient one which was it's another four threat yes but i took ancient one out like at the literally walking down to the lobby i was like okay i'm taking ancient one out of this uh and threw in i think it was crimson dynamo at the time and i never used crimson dynamo once but there were multiple instances where i was like man if i had my ancient one here so I could play affiliated I would be able to add in a beta ray bill or something else just whatever else I would have been able to add another character that I wanted in and that I therefore was not able to add and so thinking about it in those terms and that I think also brings up the idea of a Swiss army type list that puts a lot of pressure on the player that wants to do that Swiss army style to make sure that they know when to deploy what. You know, I'm, I am very much pro covering the bases. I, I think that that is a very cool and interesting strategy that you can try to apply to this game. But realize in doing that, you are putting an extra level of pressure on yourself to make sure you make the right call in those moments. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think I think you've you've kind of hit the the crux of the matter right there, that uh, you know it's it's all about being able to analyze what the board state looks like, what your opponent is bringing, and trying to make the best calls at that point, and having those flexible uh, those flexible threat range of your characters will allow you to kind of pivot uh, as best you can. Exactly, and, and the second part of his question here, if you're too heavy on a certain threat level, but each one is for a certain purpose, is that a problem? I think that that's the idea of a tech piece, and I think that it's impossible in this game, given how many characters we have right now, to tech for everything. So if you're trying to say, okay, well, this character's here for if I see a Hulk, this character's here for if I see a Malekith, this character's here for if I need some healing, this character's here for uh, other thing, insert X, if I need control, or whatever and and you can like like if then yourself to death i think in that kind of level of thinking but having that tech piece that can kind of cover multiple bases is where you want to try to think about that in terms of okay i've got five four threats but 
all five of them are here for a different reason. Well, could three of those maybe cover all five reasons? Are there three characters in the game that you feel like that you could say, well, maybe it's not as perfect of a fit as these other two are, but you know what? It's close enough. Like, I think that's the question that you have to ask yourself in that situation of it's not necessarily a problem, but how can you be more efficient with it, right? See, my answer to all that uh, is is always my shield agents. <laughs> my, <laughs> my shield ninjas have the weirdest ability to just pick up any piece on the table that they want uh, whenever they want. Yeah. So they're not even a th- they're not even threat. They don't even have yeah. a threat. They're just um, should not be in the game. But uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no. I, I still, I still agree. I don't like grunts in the game, but you know, I'll, I'll use them. And my, my shield agents will strangely. They've picked up a Hulk. They've picked up a Malkith. They've gotten a Dormammu. They've gotten both Red Skulls. Like, yep. I think they've gotten a Thanos. Even it's, Let me, it's crazy. When you use your grunts, I've got to ask: Are you like making little notches on their base for every time they they get somebody? Because if you haven't done that, you need to start doing that. I, I should. I mean, I've I've been doing that with uh, with uh, Fury. I've been keeping a tally of of who he's collected, and he he's got everyone uh, five threatened up at this point with oh his uh, with his tactical shankings. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Leland, I think with uh, Fury and his tactical shankings, that's where we're gonna have to close this one off uh, because we've been going for a little bit here, and I feel like uh, keeping it to a nice as close to an hour as possible is probably a good idea. So, where can people find you? They can find me anywhere on the internets where good battle reports are watched because I will probably be watching those too. Uh, but Aegis Brand Studios on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Discords, basically everywhere. I, I try to keep that consistent across the board. Uh, I am always hanging out in the House Party Protocol Discord. Uh, I give it uh, five out of five troops. And <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's kind of my home away from home there. Uh, but yeah, just any anywhere online, Aegis Brand Studios. Hit me up. Love to chat with people. Yeah, and uh, there will be a link to the YouTube channel in the description for this podcast. If you like to read descriptions, uh, that's where it will be. Also, like you said, the House Party Protocol Discord channel is uh, really, it's look, it, it's one of my favorite spots on the internet. It's uh, a corner of the internet that I am very happy to hang out in, and I appreciate every single person that, gives me the support through Patreon and comes over to our Discord and chit-chats and hangs out and stuff. Like, I I really can't say enough gratitude to those people, but also to everyone that enjoys this podcast. I was looking at some numbers, Leland, and I have over 210,000 downloads for this podcast. And that is just incredible and mind-blowing and mind-bottling, as you might say. <laughs> Uh, it's that's, that's outstanding, man. That's great. It's wonderful. And that is literally thanks to all of the support from everyone that decides to click play on this podcast. And for real, y'all have my enduring gratitude. And I just, I, I hope that I am continuing to provide value for every single one of you. And if I'm ever not, feel free to reach out to me. You can find me on Facebook at House Party Protocol. You can send me emails, housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. You can find me on other Discord channels, just at HPP underscore Will, if you don't want to become a part of the uh, House Party Protocol Discord community. That's also an option for you. And just let me know. Let me know if there's something that I'm not doing that could provide you with more value because 
Suits, listen up. Your time is valuable, and I never want to waste it. Yes, I goof off and have a good time, but that's entertainment, baby. That's, you know, that's showbiz or something like that. But I never want to waste your time. So if I'm ever doing that, like right now in this moment, <laughs> please just let me know that. And also, Leland, we have a giveaway going on right now for an Immortal Hulk and a Modoc Scientist Supreme. And we need a secret code word for this week's episode. And uh, I don't know. What do you got for today? Ooh, I don't know. Like now, now you asked me to go back through our whole conversation and uh, and and figure out you know what we've said that would that would work well for it. I mean, oh. immortal is definitely one that that keeps scratching at the back of my head. I, I mean that that's that's a nice that's a nice easy way to go with it for sure. It is. Yeah. It is. Hmm. Or or we could also go with Captain Never Die, even though we never said Captain that. Never. I'm saying it right now. <laughs> Uh, Captain Stretchy Pants. <laughs> Captain Stretchy Pants. <laughs> Let's just go with Stretchy Pants. I like that. Because he, he wore the Stretchy Pants. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, okay, Stretchy Pants. There you go. Speaking of, I, yeah, I, uh, now I've got to waste some time for a second. I went and bought some Stretchy Pants today. They're super comfortable. Of yeah. course they are. Everyone needs some Stretchy Pants. Just those uh, old Joey Botafuku pants, right? Exactly, exactly. So, Oh, I just, I, I just dated myself there. <laughs> look, hey, we dated both of ourselves with that one. Yes, the Joey Botafuku pants. You know it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Suits, send me a message. Either email, like I said before, through Facebook or via Discord. Um, you can send me a message with the code STRETCHYPANTS. And you will get a bonus entry into our giveaway that will be giving uh, that will be ending pretty much at the beginning of May because I'm actually a uh, little announcement. I'm on vacation next week. I'm gonna pre-record an episode, so there will be an episode dropping next Thursday. But it will uh, not have if there's anything that comes out, it will not be addressed because I will be on vacation next week. But uh, definitely didn't want to leave y'all hanging, so uh, we'll have a little pre-recorded fun for you and. Um, yeah, you know it's getting announced next Monday now, right? Oh, it's gonna be the Fantastic Four, and I'm gonna be on Total. vacation. Yeah, yeah. No, don't worry. I'll still have my socials. <laughs> I'll I'll still be talking about it. Just won't be in podcast form, unfortunately. Oh my god! If they did that, I swear. You know, like, anyways. With that, party on, Leland. Party on, Will. And power down, suits. <laughs>